0: start at verse number 18 1 Peter 2 18 and then um, also as another reference scripture we'll go to Hebrews chapter number 11 so we'll do first Peter 2 and then we'll go Hebrews chapter 11 um, verse 23 amen praise God All right, First Peter chapter 2, and uh, we're looking, starting at verse 18. <clears throat> Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward, for this is thankworthy. Somebody say, this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called. Tell, tell, tell your neighbor, tell them this is what you were called for. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who, his own self, bare our sins. In his own body, on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And then really quickly, just flipping over to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're just going to start at verse number, excuse me, 24. We can start at verse 24. Praise God. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. Amen. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So we're just going to talk, maybe study, about the gospel of suffering. The gospel of suffering. Amen. Uh, Can you put your Bibles down? Lift up your hands unto the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we present ourselves, Lord, to you right now. God, your word is anointed. Your word is true. God, we ask that you would remove every hindrance, every barrier right now. God, let our ears be open. Let our hearts, God, understand the word. Let it be planted in us. Father, we surrender to you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. We honor you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Um, So last week we talked about um, giving the more earnest heed to our salvation and um, paying attention to it. Um, because if we don't, we can let it slip. So, for example, the Bible says that we need to put on the whole armor of God, and it says one part of that armor is the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. So I think about it, that our minds and we, we need to understand what salvation is really all about. <clears throat> um, and so we need to give them more earnest heed and pay attention to really what um, this thing is all about. And so I feel as though what God wants to do for just a few moments is maybe give us some uh, understanding, uh, maybe help somebody, encourage somebody uh, to understand what you've been called into. Um, there is a, uh, I guess, an idea You might have heard the the terminology, the prosperity gospel, the prosperity gospel. Um, And so what that um, uh, illustrates or or examples is that it's a preaching of a gospel that is all about you prospering, basically prospering in every way. Um, And so I believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus is about us prospering. Um, But maybe not in the way that uh, the prosperity message might make it seem. Uh, When we think of prospering, or you say to prosper, we are usually thinking in terms of carnal things and worldly things. Um, The gospel is not about us prospering in worldly things. Uh, Jesus, God was not manifested in the flesh for us to have a bigger house. Okay, Uh, God didn't have to go through all that he went through being humbled as a becoming a servant, being found in a form of servant, humbling himself to the point of the cross and death uh, for us just to have a a good life. Um, His purpose was a lot bigger than that. And so um, we have to make sure that we don't allow. Um, wrong ideas about salvation creep into our minds because that is the helmet of salvation we have to have on. And what I found is that when people uh, lose that, um, really don't have a right understanding of salvation, of the gospel, um, things happen and the enemy can trip them up in a way or trip us up in a way. And we think that God has forsaken us. And we start thinking, well, this isn't worth it. We start blaming or talking about things in a way um, because our expectation is something that is not aligned with the word of God. And so we must be very careful um, that we preach a right gospel, that we believe a right gospel. Uh, For those of you that are here today, and maybe uh, this might be your first time hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, Um, I can tell you that we want to be very careful that we present to you the truth of what this is really all about. Um, This is not an idea of you come to Jesus and everything is going to work out well for you. That is a lie. Uh, You come to Jesus and all your problems will disappear. You come to Jesus and everything will feel good. Everything will taste good. Everything will look good. That is not what the gospel is about. Uh, but the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that if you are willing to die, if you are willing to be buried, there will be a resurrection at the end. If you're willing to to die out to your ways, if you're willing to let go of our own carnal ways, to let go of this world, there is a promise of something better in the end, and so this is the true uh, good news, and so the good news of, of, of of salvation is not trying to hold on to this world um, Jesus didn't come just so you could do better in this life that is not the gospel and uh, and so I think about it uh, they talk about uh, depression excuse me depression and how um, and 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 so there's there's a lot that 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 deals with that but anxiety and depression and these emotions of of not being satisfied or content, Um, they talk about it that even amongst Christians, it's very prominent and it's growing. And I don't believe that is because God's power has lessened. I believe it's because we are expecting and believing something that is not aligned with what God has promised us. And um, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so if you're hoping in something that God really never promised to you, and you don't get it, it's going to make you sick. But if our hope is anchored to the promises of the word of God, if our hope is aligned with everything that God says for me, <clears throat> I don't have to be concerned about it, about not getting it. I have an assurance that I'm going to have every single thing he's promised me. Amen. So um, if you read the Gospels, and like I said, I don't want to take a long time. If you read the Gospels, we're just going to talk about quite a few scriptures Today and just kind of read them. We read in First Peter chapter two, um, and this is uh, a letter from Peter, and he's writing. And the interesting thing in verse eighteen, uh, where we started, he says, "Servants or slaves, be subject to your masters uh, with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward." Um, this. Literally means to the perverse, to the crooked, to the warped, to the ones that aren't living right. It, it, this, these are instructions. And so the reason I bring that out, one, is because uh, we live in a time where people are told, don't take anything from anybody. Don't let anybody step on you. Don't let anybody get over on you. And can I tell you, that is the opposite of what the gospel says. That's the opposite of what the word of God teaches us. So if you're living your life trying to follow Jesus and at the same time trying to make sure nobody abuses you, nobody misuses you, nobody does anything wrong to you, you're going to live a frustrated Christian life. Uh, you're, you're, you're not going to have peace. And so uh, he goes on in verse 19. He says, for this is thankworthy. Basically, this is worthy of uh, praise. This is something that, is, uh, that God says, this is what I like, right? So, he gives us eg- exactly something that God is actually uh, pleased about. And here it is. If a man, for conscience toward God, endures grief and suffering wrongfully, For what glory is it if you're buffeted for your faults, you'll take it patiently. But if when you do well and you suffer, you take it patiently, this is acceptable. It's pleasing to God. Do you know what pleases God? It's not when you get your way. It's actually pleasing to God when you don't get your way and yet you do it with patience. When stuff doesn't go the way you want it to go, and you still have a good attitude. Seemingly, we just don't see God getting excited about people getting things. But we do see in Hebrews 11 that he glorifies all these men and women who suffered horribly and yet stood in faith. That's what got God excited. That's what God says, I want you to write about them. I want you to write about the ones who didn't have everything go their way. I want you to write about the ones who suffered affliction, who endured grief time after time, and yet they never denied me. Those are the ones that God is excited about. Um, Brother Gene, you brought it up today uh, the story of Job, right? I love Job. I love it. I love him. And, um, for all that he went through, he deserves to be preached about. (laughs) He went through all that he went through so that somebody today could preach about Job. So we're going to talk about Job. Job, uh, was living a good life, right? And he was fearing God, doing right, living well. And, God brings him up to, to Satan and says, have you considered Job? I want you to check out Job. And, and Satan says, well, there's a hedge around him. I can't touch him. And God says, all right, I'm lifting the hedge so you can touch him. And, and then he says, you just can't touch his body. And so then Satan goes, does all that stuff to his kids, comes back, and he says, well, skin for skin, basically. I did all that stuff to all these other things, but that's not a big deal. If I touch his skin, if I actually touch the last bit of of protection that he has in this world and covering if I touch that he'll absolutely curse you and die and and so God was like all right I'm lifting the hedge off of his body go touch his body and Satan touched his body but God said you can't kill him and and he did all this and and it says you read the scripture that Job did not charge God foolishly he never he never turned his back on God he was upset he didn't like it he was frustrated but he never Uh, acted out against God. He kept his faith in the Lord. Can I I tell you, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to have emotions and to be hurt. And you're not going to like everything and you're going to question. But don't ever turn your back on God. Never lose your faith in God. Don't speak out of your mouth foolishly towards God, but keep a fear of God. And, And so it's interesting, though, that the reason we have the book of Job and the reason all that bad stuff happened to Job Was because God brought him up. Right? Job suffered because he was doing well. He went through affliction because he was a man of God. Somebody's got to understand that. Recognize that. You don't go through stuff necessarily because God's angry with you. If you're living right, and your heart's right, and you're trying to walk by faith and you're serving the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, loving Him, doing doing right things, casting off darkness, and and uh, the Bible says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It is a promise of God. You're gonna suffer. You're going to suffer. But, but here's the thing is if we can recognize that the suffering is not as bad as the word makes it out to be. The enemy preaches a gospel that suffering is bad. But Jesus preached a gospel that suffering brings a resurrection. The Bible says this. He says, by his stripes you are healed. It literally means that because of his suffering, healing comes to you. There is a flow of power that comes through suffering. So the devil says, it's bad to suffer. God says, it's healing to suffer. There's power in suffering. And so the enemy says, do everything you can to avoid suffering. Even if you have to cut corners, even if you have to lie, even if you have to push people down, do whatever it takes so that nothing bad happens to you. And God says, take it patiently. Take it with a good attitude. Rejoice when you fall into diverse temptations. Be be exceeding glad because recognize there is something that is going to be produced by God through the suffering. If I take it the right way, if I hold on to faith in God, God is going to work something miraculous through this. It's the gospel. Right? And so the Bible says this. It's foolishness to the carnal mind. Right? And so... There's a gospel being preached now that's not so much foolishness to the carnal mind. It's like the carnal mind's like, that's, that sounds pretty good. I'll li- I like that, but it's not the true gospel. The, the true message of Jesus is a taking up your cross daily and following him. That's the message of Jesus Christ. It is not just come and add good stuff to your life. The message of Jesus is you're going to have to die out. You're going to have to lay some things down. There's, there's, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And you're going to have to pay a price to make it into those streets of gold. I, I've heard people say this, and it's true. I've said it before that salvation is free. Um, the truth is, is one, salvation is it costs too much for you to pay. But you're going to have to pay everything you have. Right? For God to make up the difference. So salvation is going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you your life. I don't, I, whatever other people have told you that, you know, you just come and get it and go and leave it. That's not true. The word of God says you're going to have to take up your cross and follow him. You're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to die to yourself. But it also gives promises that says this. The sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Right? So those are the promises. You're going to suffer. But the suffering is, is worth so much more what you're going to get. The value of it. And so I think about this. this it's, it's interesting because I, it was, I was on my phone, I think just yesterday. I don't even know what I was on, but something flashed up like a little ad, and it says $64,900, and it was for some truck. It was, for a, it was like a pickup truck that I saw, and I don't, I don't even know what it was. I just, I, I just saw it, and I went by it, and then I kept going, and then I, and it hit me, and I'm like, what in the world? Did they just advertise a truck for $64,000? I mean, I don't know if anybody out here knows how much cars cost, but that's a lot of money, <laughs> For a vehicle, um, and then to advertise it like it's some sort of sale, like it's a bargain, right? It's one thing if I go looking and say, "Hey, I need your most expensive," and they're like, "Well, it's seventy thousand dollars." It's another thing to like put that out to the public. Hey, you want to come because it's only going to cost you sixty four thousand dollars nine hundred. And I saw it just it just kind of struck me. But but what hit me was they whoever made that ad is convinced that the price is worth the vehicle they're convinced that you would be willing to pay that amount to get what they're offering see this is why we don't have to be ashamed or afraid to to declare what the message of the word actually says that you're going to go through things that that you're going to have some times where you don't understand that you're going to have to suffer uh that everything's not going to feel okay uh jesus says you're going to have to count the cost because he knows that the value of what you're getting from the gospel, uh, when you decide to actually pay for it, you're going to recognize, man, that was so worth it. Nobody gets into this thing knowing how much it costs, pays it, and then looks back and says, nah, it wasn't worth it. No, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. And so, uh, Jesus didn't, he didn't hide things, right? There's a There was a rich man that comes to him, and the rich man says, you know, hey, what do I have to do to to inherit eternal life? And Jesus like, keep the commandments. And he's like, well, I've done all that, right, thinking Jesus like, all right, great, let's go. He's like, well, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me, right? And that is, I mean, that that immediately messes, that messes with my mind. (laughs) I don't know about yours. I just, I can't overlook scriptures, but it's like that messes my mind because that was such an offense to him that man was rich. Like, that was his classification. We don't even know his name. He had a lot of money. Like, that's, he had been blessed. And God, and Jesus says, if you want to make it, that blessing that, you're, that you supposedly have, what defines you, you're going to have to give that away. That's not, I'm not making it up. It's in the scriptures. But he would say things like that because he didn't want anybody being mistaken of, of the cost of this, of the gospel. He didn't want people getting into it and saying, wait a second, I didn't realize it was going to cost me everything. Jesus, I thought, this, I, thought I was getting salvation on bargain. I thought we had a coupon or something. Up front, Jesus is like, you're, you're going to have to deny yourself. I mean, he said things to them before even the Holy Ghost was poured out he 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 was saying if if a if a seed just basically unless it falls to the ground and dies it abideth alone but right if if unless it unless if it does that if it falls to the ground dies then it produces much fruit but if it doesn't do that it it just produces nothing um jesus was was saying some powerful things that If we could uh, grasp it in this day and age, I believe there would be such a freedom and a liberty from all of the things that the enemy is trying to use to hold us bound. Um, I know this kind of doesn't sit right with my flesh either. It's all right. Verse 21 of 1 Peter 2, 21. 1 Peter 2, 21. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. If you are going to follow Jesus, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer in the flesh. Um, you're going to have to deny your flesh. So, what do we mean by suffering in the flesh? Uh, suffering in the flesh or crucifying your flesh is not talking about taking nails and stabbing them into your hand. Um, But there are parts of you, there are things and ways that we think, things that we want and desire that we're going to have to be willing to lay down for Jesus. We're going to have to be willing to tell ourselves no. Every day, all day. That's what taking up your cross and following him means, is telling yourself no. Saying no to yourself, right? And so Smith says, well, why why are why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you living the way you're living? Well, because this is what Jesus wants versus this is what I think is best. This is what I want. Those are the two choices. It's either because this is what he wants me to do. This is who he wants me to be. This is how he wants me to react. This is what he wants me to say. Or this is just what I feel to say. This is what I feel to do. And so he's saying, you're going to have to tell yourself no. You're going to have to tell yourself no. And so there are, there are desires within each and every one of us that war against the law of God. That, that, so war, so we see it now in our society being promoted as okay, right? So for example, uh, the whole... Uh, I I don't even know all the letters, L, B, L, B, G, T, Q, A plus. Um, So the lesbian, transgender, gay, bisexual, questioning, asexual, huh? allies. Yes. Okay. Um, and so that, obviously, in our culture, that is a big thing that is um, upfront and out in the open. But let me say this, and um, those things, so for example, I'll, I will talk about homosexuality, if we could, for just a second. Um, somebody with a homosexual desire Um, That is not strange. Um, We do not judge people or cast people down because they have that tendency or that desire. We all have stuff in us that's not right. Um, If it's not a homosexual desire, then it could be a heterosexual desire before marriage. That's wrong, too. Having sex before you're married to a man and a woman that's wrong in the eyes of God. It's just as wrong as the homosexual desire. Um, lying, right? We have desires to lie in us, and that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. Um, and so these things we recognize, they're, they're in us. They're, they're in us. And so the gospel is saying you have to say no to those things. But what the world is preaching is you have to say yes to those things. And so that's why it is such an affront against the church of the living God. Because it's saying you have to say yes to these carnal desires. That they're okay. But Jesus says they're not okay. And it's not that they're worse off than the others. It's not that that's something we, we need to jump on the bandwagon and, 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 and parade against those those letters, whatever they may be. But what the world has done is it's taken it from a place of even recognizing that it's wrong to now it's actually the right way to live. And so it's twisting things on its head. But I'll say this, the enemy is using the fact that the church is not, and and I'm not talking about this church, but I'm saying in general, is not preaching a message of suffering in the flesh. It's preaching a message of, and, and, and bear with me as I say this, love. But it's not the love of God. Because the love of God says no to your flesh. The love of God does not say yes to your flesh. So when people hear, well, God is love, they think, well, God loves my flesh. No, he does not. No, he doesn't. And so the church We have to preach a clear sound. We have to live a clear gospel that we are denying ourselves. We're not not doing this because it's about us. We're doing this about for him. It's, It's his word. It's his name. This is not about what I'm getting out of it. This is not about me getting everything that I want. But I am denying myself every day, taking up my cross and following Jesus Christ. And so Christianity has taken on this concept and this idea that is so far removed from what you read in the scriptures. And so there's this pull, even even here today, I feel it, there's a pull here today that hearing this, we don't, it doesn't, it's not good, it's not exciting, this is, but it's the truth. And, And so here's the thing. So the Bible says that I'm supposed to rejoice in my sufferings. That's that's literally what the scriptures say. Rejoice that you have been counted worthy to suffer for him. So we need to be getting excited about the fact of denying myself. Not when my flesh is appeased. and, and, And so it's a... Forgive me, but it's just a a different mindset that it what it does is it disarms the enemy. See, the enemy can't, he, he, he can't stop someone who's willing to die, he can't stop someone who's already dead. I've said this before, and they talk about it. So, for example, the war on terrorism. And years ago, and, and they were uh, just trying to figure out these people. But you had these suicide bombers, right? And if somebody's already ready to die, threatening them doesn't work. How do you stop them? Who's, my li- their life means nothing. They just want to take you out. And so that's why, so it was physical force. It was literally like we got to, our government says we got to kill them before they can kill anybody else. That's the only way. That's, that's the only, and so the enemy, he, he doesn't have power over us. But deception and distraction and lies and taking things and touching things and hurting things and afflicting our stuff and messing with us, and trying to get us agitated, and trying to get our minds on other places, but if I'm already dead, that stuff doesn't work. If, if I've already died out, if I'm already prepared for stuff to be taken, if I'm already ready to suffer in my flesh, it doesn't have the authority and the power in my life, and so instead of wrestling day in and day out with my stuff and what's happening to me and my feelings and my emotions and my life and praying about that for hours and hours and days and weeks and fasting over me and me and me. I've I've let go of me. And now, now I can be used to help others. Now because of your suffering, you can be used to heal others. We have a world that needs healing from the church. They need a church that's willing to have stripes on their back so that people can be healed. (laughs) Healing will not flow to our city. Healing will not flow to our county until the church is ready to suffer. Until the church is ready to say no to ourselves and suffer affliction and follow in the steps of Jesus Christ. They're not going to be healed just because we want them to be healed. But the word has got to be made flesh. And then it's going to have to suffer. And then it's going to have to die out to itself. But when it does, there is a power that is released. There is is an anointing that is released from the body of Jesus Christ. Praise God. And so this is what Jesus is calling people to is a covenant, a covenant with him. The Bible says this. It says, if you suffer with him, you're going to reign with him. Right. You do not reign without suffering. Let's, let's go to that scripture really quick, and I'm almost done. I'm just going to 2 Timothy um, chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter two verse twelve. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Let's go to um, actually. Let's go to another scripture. Let's go to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter 8 talks about you have to have the Holy Ghost, right? You have to have the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're none of his. And we preach that. We preach it. You're abs- it's absolutely right. But go down to verse number 17, because right after it finishes talking about the Holy Ghost bearing witness, the spirit bearing witness, verse 17 says, And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. But it doesn't end there. If, so be that we suffer with him. So I am a joint heir with Christ if I suffer with him. If I, uh, verse, and then verse 18 says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So it gives us a promise that if we suffer with him, we'll be a joint heir and we'll be glorified with him. That's our hope. And then it also gives us another promise. That the sufferings that are promised to you are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in you. So you are promised sufferings. But you're promised that the glory outweighs the sufferings. That what, whatever you pay is not going to be even comparable to what you get out of it. Whatever, however many times you have to tell yourself No. You won't regret telling yourself no from the glory that's going to come in your life, from the times where you just had to swallow your pride and humble yourself and, and seek God and not not speak out what you felt like speaking out. You're not going to regret doing that. You're not going to regret when you turn the other cheek when somebody hits you on the one tree. You're not going to regret every time you laid down your life and, and someone uh, abused you or did something that was not right and you took it. Patiently, the word of God is saying you will not regret it. You will not regret it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. There's real power there. That's where the real power is. That's where the real power is. The life changing power is in suffering. It's in suffering. It's in suffering. It's in suffering. suffering. I'm going to finish up. Hebrews chapter number 11, and then we'll be done. Hebrews chapter number 11. Praise God. Um, Verse number 25. It's talking about Moses. We read it. But it says, verse 24 says, Faith, Moses, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. You're going to have to esteem the reproaches that you're going to get for living for Jesus greater riches than what you could get in this world. You're going to have to make that cost comparison yourself. If you value the world more than you do the suffering of Jesus Christ, go for the world. Go all in. Get as much of it as you can. But the problem is, and we know this, it's going to leave you empty. The world is going to do you wrong. The world is going to do you dirty. It's going to stab you in the back. It's going to give you less than what you thought it was going to give you. It's going to leave you darkness and brokenness. And emptiness, no peace, no hope, no joy. But get all of it you can get. Or you can esteem the sufferings of Jesus Christ. You can esteem and say me having to deny myself and and saying no to this world's riches and no to this world's things for the name of Jesus. I, I, I actually value that more than anything this world has to offer. I value that more than anything else. And can I tell you, that is the line of demarcation today. That's the line in the sand today. And so our world has become very good at advertising. Our world is a great advertiser. The enemy, the devil, is the best advertiser in the world. Our our world spends billions of dollars on advertising because they know the power of it. Because they realize you have a choice. But if we can get you to choose this, we got you. And so from the very beginning, Satan, all he was after was your choice. He was after Adam and Eve's choice because it was free will that God gave them and nothing could take that away. No devil in hell could take away their free choice. No matter how much he wants to, you have free will. And even God won't override your free will. And so your choice, you need to choose wisely. And this is what Moses did. Moses says, I've, I've, made, a, I've made a comparison. I've, I've, I've tasted the world. I've tasted Egypt and, um, and all its riches and all its pleasures and all the sin. And then I see over here my people suffering in slavery. I see over here my people that they're being beaten every day, that, that they wake up early and they go to bed late and they don't get what they're due. And, they're, and, and what they've worked for, they're not even getting paid that. And, and it's rigor, and, and people are dying, and they're hurting, but, and, but, but ultimately, these are God's people. And Moses made the choice that I want that more than all the glamour. See, can I tell you, when you walk out of the church today, right? Right now, this looks good because it's what's in front of your face. This looks good. It sounds good. I want it. I want it. The problem is not here. The problem is when you get out there in the midst of the world's advertising. And it's like, look at all this you can have and you can be a part of and you can enjoy. And that's why so many people walk away. It's not because this doesn't look good. It's that, but that looks a little bit better. That looks, wow. But this isn't trying to make it look good. We're, we're not trying to impress your eyes. We're not trying to win you over by, by glamour and lights and, and all that. We, the church is admitting to you, this is ugly. This is suffering. This, this is hard. It's, it's going it's to take some things. You're not going to like everything that God asks of you to do. But if you'll do it, it'll be worth it. If, if you'll submit to it, if you'll join with Jesus, you will not regret it. That is the promise of Jesus Christ that there is a power in the gospel that you will not find anywhere else. You will not find peace out there. You will not find joy out there. You will not find miracles, signs, and wonders from God out there. You will not find healing for your family out there. You will not find restoration of your mind out there. But in the ugly afflictions and sufferings of Jesus Christ, there is power. There is healing. There is glory hallelujah yes lord yes lord so whatever it takes whatever i have to do whatever i have to lose god i want to suffer with you i want to suffer with the apostles and with peter and john and james and those that laid down their lives for this gospel god i want to link up with them i want to link up with the elders that that suffered through so much for this truth i want to link up with them Praise God. I don't, I don't want a cheap gospel. I don't want a cheap gospel. I don't, I don't want something that, that, that I could pick up today and lay down tomorrow. I want something. I want the valuable, priceless gospel of Jesus Christ that he paid for. Praise God. Praise God. And so, and so we recognize. That's why the scriptures say this is a narrow road. Jesus said it's a narrow road wide is the is this is the way and broad is broad is the street that leads to destruction and there's a lot of people going that way because it looks good and it's the easy road and you can just slide on in there you don't have to make any effort to get on that road but if you want to go the narrow way you're going to have to let go of some things you're going to you're going to have to endure affliction as a good soldier You're gonna have to pray every day when other people are sleeping. You're gonna have to be praying when other people are eating food. You're gonna have to be fasting when other people are having fun and they're at the beach. You're gonna be in the house of God, lifting your hands and worshiping him when other people are acting out of their emotions. You're gonna be taking it to the Lord in prayer. You're gonna be dying on the inside to your own emotions. It's a narrow road. It's a narrow road. When, when others are, are making all the money they want to make and doing it all, you're going to be giving. You're going to be giving your last little bit in faith. You're going to be giving when it hurts. You're going to be giving when you don't understand. It's a narrow way, but it's worth it. 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 Praise God. Why don't our musicians come? It's worth it hallelujah hallelujah come on there there are thousands and millions of testimonies that you need to hear of saints that have given their all for this gospel and they testify it's worth it they've lost a lot there's people that have lost loved ones and they've lost children and they've lost families and they've lost money and they've lost jobs and they've lost reputation but they wouldn't trade it for anything because we have jesus hallelujah come on church you owe it we owe it to our children to give them a real gospel we owe it to them. They need to see, my daddy suffered for this gospel. My mommy suffered for this gospel. My uncle suffered for this gospel. I saw brother so-and-so, and he went through all that, all that stuff, and yet he kept serving the Lord. It must be worth it. Come on. They, our children need that. They need, they need people of God that are willing, that will preach it. It's worth it, young person. It's worth it. You're going to suffer affliction. Everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going to like what you do. People not going to want to be around you and talk around you and joke around you. You're going to be ostracized and isolated. You, you may have to wear different things and dress differently. They may make fun of you because you're, you're holy and you're wearing modest clothes, but it's worth it. It's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it. It's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it. it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? I know I probably shared this testimony one time before. But my wife's, my wife's grandmother, my wife's mother's mother, years ago before we were married, but years ago she she was already married my, my wife's grandmother was married good husband good children going going to, going to, going to a, a Baptist church, but God spoke to her, I don't have time to go through the whole story, but God spoke to her about truth, about being baptized in Jesus name, God spoke to her about infilling of the Holy Ghost and and she had to do it and she just did it uh, she obeyed the voice of God and and um, man she suffered for it she suffered for it and uh, just went through so many things and even just threatenings of taking the kids away and le- losing her most dearest possessions because of her stand for what the word of God said and, and even in her own uh, marriage just it was it was just bad I won't go through the details it was just very bad just because she chose the real gospel but I didn't know any of this but anyway I wound up meeting Angela and uh, I remember the first time I went to the church and actually not the first time but anyway long story short I wound up they sent me to this woman they said you got to go meet her at the prayer chapel and so I went there. It was a Thursday morning. I went there and met this woman at the prayer chapel, which was her grandmother. And she opened up the Bible and she said, Baby, do you have the Holy Ghost? I said, No, I don't have the Holy Ghost. She started teaching me the scriptures and she prayed me through to the Holy Ghost on that Thursday. And um, she just, it, it was crazy because at her funeral, at her funeral, um, there was thousands of people there. And there were, you know, what we would call big shots in the church, but it's just all sorts of just ministries and pastors from all over the world had come. And, and her name was Mother Jackson. They said, Mother Jackson was the one who prayed for me to receive the Holy Ghost. Mother Jackson taught me. Mother Jackson gave me a Bible study. Mother Jackson prayed for me. Mother Jackson did this for me. And, you know, miracles happened through Mother Jackson's life. And, 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 and so I say all that to say that every single one of Mother Jackson's children was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And then not only that, but then from, the, from her children, but her children's children, they all, so her grandchildren were all baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. But not only that, the, the grandchildren's spouses, like me, that weren't born into it, but just connected to that family, we got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And it, and it spreads out, and here, and I share this, And here here I am, or we are here in Syracuse, New York. But it's because a woman of God was willing to suffer affliction. She said, this thing is too valuable. You're making choices right now to to endure. You don't realize the effect it's going to have. There are people all over the world that will be blessed by your faithfulness, by your endurance, by your choice to serve Jesus people in other countries come on why don't you make a fresh commitment right now why don't you come on down come on commit yourself to the to the gospel of suffering jesus whatever it takes these altars are open right now come on lift your voice up to god right now come on rejoice in the suffering rejoice he's making you stronger man of god he's making you stronger woman of god Come on, he wants to save your children and your children's children. He wants to use them throughout the world. God will do amazing things through your suffering. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't let it cause fear in your heart and in your mind.